It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on Monday, March 11th, after an LA Galaxy loss 2-0 to FC Dallas over the weekend. Hey, the first away game didn't go as planned, but I think the Galaxy may be packed a little bit too light. No Zlatan, no Roman Alessandrini. We're going to certainly talk a whole bunch about that game. Also have some news to catch you up on, including a uh, new signing that rapidly got tested in that FC Dallas game. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, Joe Corona making his MLS debut, Sebastian Legette making his LA Galaxy debut for 2019. Uh, so a lot of fun stuff to get to, including rumors, uh, some LA Galaxy alumni news, and a lot more. Galaxy getting ready for their game against Minnesota United coming up this weekend back at Dignity Health Sports Park on Saturday. All right, so we got a lot to get to. Let's talk to the Panda himself. He's back. He's ready to go. He had a full soccer weekend. Uh, how you doing there, Kevin? You hanging in there? Hey, Minnesota's coming in. They're unbeaten, untied. They're perfect. They, perfect record. They are perfect record. Not only that, two away wins for Minnesota. It is well. They, they got a lot of away games because they're waiting for that stadium to open. Yeah. Well, I thought it was open. It's like ready. They just don't want to play in Minnesota because you know it's uh, how do you say balls cold without saying balls cold. Well, hey, it's, it's balls cold. cold out here in Valencia. That's what that's so, what you were complaining about earlier. Yes. Yeah. A good thing they don't play here. I'll tell you what. What would they do? What would they do? Uh, anyway, no Minnesota. This is not as. As the hammer would say, this is not your mama's Minnesota United. Um, Playing much better just to start the season and and have some good players. So the Galaxy need to be a little bit on their toes. Uh, If you think it's a a cakewalk to go against Minnesota early, you probably have something else coming. You haven't been watching the league so far this week. No, and you know what? They lead the league in, or are tied for the lead with Seattle and, and LAFC. Uh, lead the league in goals. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Darwin Quintero has been great. I, I think he's been like you know sort of the runner-up slash third best player in Major League Soccer the last two or three weeks, or the last two the last two weeks. There's only been two weeks. Um, just in terms of you know getting the votes and stuff. So he's been really good. Um, you know, just just lots of stuff. I guess I guess but two two of his three goals are on penalty kicks. So I mean, you know, a little perspective. But yeah, he's definitely. Uh, been a big force, a couple of assists there. He's had a good start. Well, before we get too far into it, just want to remind everybody, uh, Corner of the Galaxy's uh, t-shirt shop, all of the t-shirts, and I know Kevin... Including Panda shirts. In- including Panda. I knew Kevin is very excited about this, but all of our t-shirts that we've ever produced, including our brand new 2019 logo shirt that we just put up uh, this last week, is available. They are available all the time. What basically is happening is they're called open campaigns. So whenever somebody orders a shirt, if that campaign isn't active, it will start that campaign for two weeks. Um, So you'll have as many chances as you want to go do it. You can sort of see when those campaigns end. That way you can place your order whenever you want to. Um, And then after the two weeks, as long as it has enough to print the minimum, it'll go ahead and print those shirts. So the t-shirt shop there is completely open. Just go to cornerofthegalaxy.com, click the shop button. It'll take you right there. You can see all six of our t-shirt designs. And by the way, working on number seven right now that'll probably be out next month. Um, but the 2019 logo one is great. The best in the galaxy one should be shipping out or, or close on March 13th. So we have a lot of stuff that is uh, sort of coming together here uh, real quickly. But we wanted to make sure those T-shirts, including the panda, the pan, the pato and panda, the ugliest shirt we've ever produced, is available. I'll leave a link in the description of the podcast. You're more than welcome to click on that. Also, just a reminder: corner of the galaxy scarves, twenty dollars. Reduce price now until we get rid of them. I have approximately 19 left. So if you don't have a scarf and you want a scarf, you need to get on it. And 
as a special bonus, if you would like me to, for this upcoming game, you need to message me, either send me an email or send me something on Twitter that says you want to buy a scarf at the game and I will go early enough to allow you to buy a scarf at the game. All right, so I will I will come to you. I will be available before the game, but you're going to have to get there early because I'm not doing it inside the stadium and I'm not missing the time I need to go into the stadium. All right, so we'll figure that all out here in the next couple of days, but send me an email, uh, cornerofthegalaxy at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at Galaxy Podcast or anything else. All right. So how yeah. many, uh, since this new campaign started, how many uh, Panda and Pato t-shirts have you sold? Flying off the shelf, Kevin, as we, as you once expected, uh, we've sold a total of one since it's opened. Hey, yes. hey, that's good. Yes. That's better than zero. I think those are guaranteed to print already, so I think that person who ordered it will, will get there their shirt. So uh, somebody was very excited. I think, I think Peter was the guy's name who ordered it. Peter was like, I got my Panda and Pato shirt. I'm ready. That's so. right. Peter is a very intelligent guy. That is the ugliest Very shirt. smart. Ugliest. Lion no, he is, he's going to be, he's going to be the best dressed guy in his neighborhood. I, I would also like to remind everybody, a uh, Lion of Los Angeles shirts, that means they're open as well. And remember these Lions of Los Angeles means that Lions are most happy in Los Angeles and the correct number of Lions to have in Los Angeles is nine. And that explains the shirt completely. There we and, go. and it comes with a, a, a band-aid on the Achilles. <laughs> I would, I, I would never ever link those two things together ever. Cause you know, they're just not the same, but yes, you're absolutely right. Um, all right, let's get to LA Galaxy news. I think, you know, something that we we didn't talk about on Thursday whenever uh, Eric and I got in the podcast studio here was uh, the retirement of Baggio Husidic. Uh, Baggio, a, a, a longtime LA Galaxy player, uh, one of the last guys who actually played in and was part of the 2014 MLS Cup. Um, he dressed for that game. He was there. Uh, he's the last sort of link to that particular uh, to that p- particular team. Except I think Juninho now being he came back, it will will take over that mantle a little bit. But Baggio, who said, uh, Kevin, you reported that he was uh, in trial or or hoping to be on trial with LAFC, and that didn't happen. And so uh, the man himself, 31 years old, is retiring after playing uh, professional soccer for 10 years. Yeah, uh, he's he's only 31. I think he probably still has. Um you know, something to give. Maybe he'll try arena soccer, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit. But um, uh, the trial that he had with LAFC, this is the way I want to interpret this um, uh, because it makes a lot of sense to me and and I just want to think everyone's a good guy. Um, I I think Bob Bradley invited him in and gave him a week um, just to get him on the radar and let people know that Baggio was still out there. He wasn't ever going to hook on with LAFC. He wasn't the kind of player that they, I, I think that they wanted. But he got him out there, got him training, got him on the radar of other teams to give other teams a chance to 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 call him into camp. I mean, he's a veteran guy, and guys like Bob Bradley appreciate the veteran players. Um, unfortunately, the strategy didn't work. Uh, Baggio did not hook on with anybody else, and then once the season started, decided that he was done and he'll move on and, and try something else. Maybe, like I said, arena soccer. Yeah, a pretty cool guy to talk to on a regular basis. A guy, Kevin, Very intelligent guy. Yeah, I was going to say intelligent, and not only that, but has a voice, um, understands sort of things that he wants to stand up for and talk about. I know you had a uh, you know a bunch of deeper talks with him and, and had done some stories on, on Baggio and just his trip and journey to Major League Soccer, to the United States, and, and sort of what that means. So, I mean, you know, if you're looking for a smart guy who could probably go on and do a whole bunch of stuff, Baggio said it sort of seems like he's he's that guy. Also, uh, the 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 vegetarian, the vegan on the team as well. So uh, so you know, Galaxy missing out on some of that stuff now that uh, bulletproof Baggio no longer with the LA Galaxy and uh, and hanging up his boots. So uh, yeah, a, a little bit different, little shift. Again, Kevin, it makes me feel old because you know I, I remember when Baggio Sidic was 
came to the LA Galaxy and, and he plays and now he's 31 and he's retiring and that just seems like it's all too fast and too soon. Yeah, 31 seems young. And you know, I was looking up Chris Pontius the other day and thinking about veterans on the Galaxy and guys who've been around. Chris Pontius is only 30. Wow. I, yeah, I know. I thought he was older than that. He seems like an old 30. Kind of like Juninho seems like he's like 45, but he's, yeah. you know, he's really what, 29, I think, right now. So, um, yeah, all those things. There's Some guys just look older, just play older than other guys. Some guys uh, play like they're uh, they're always 18, 19, 20 throughout their entire careers, and they could be 35. But, uh, you know, some guys, that's how it goes. So, Bejo Husidic announces his retirement, Kevin. But the big news on Friday, and uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise, certainly trying to pick lineups and trying to figure out where everything was uh the la galaxy announced the signing of 20 year old la galaxy academy graduate from la galaxy 2 uh ethan zubak um zubak has been an up-and-comer in la galaxy 2 a guy who they really like down uh down with the usl mike munoz really a big fan of his um you've seen him go from the galaxy academy and you sort of see him go to la galaxy 2 this is a homegrown signing this time uh, not like they had to do with Araujo, um, but this is a guy that really, you could say, maybe they pushed up a year, maybe they would have liked to wait one more year, but at the same time, with the injuries they've had, you, you look at Ethan Zubak and say, okay, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who can who can play and that they're going to need. Yeah, I, I mean, I talked to Dennis DeClosa last week a little bit about this, um, about all the young players, you know, that they've had to call up. We know about Ephraim Alvarez and and uh, um, Subek now coming up, you know, uh, Araujo, another teenager. Um, he said the idea was to give some of the young players a chance at the first team, maybe not a ton of minutes, but just a chance to to hang around and train with the first team and see what it was all about. He said we never expected to be this many this early in the season, but the injuries and, and the inability to sign some more defensive help so far has really put them in a bad position and, and they really had nowhere else to go. At least, you know, these guys, some of them are probably going to play. Efrain Alvarez, we've seen him play. Zubik has already played. Yep. Other guys, I think, are sort of just holding spots until um, some of the transfers at the Galaxy are out looking for uh, come through. But it, it is it, it it's surprising the number of, of, of young players that they've already suited up this season this this come on this feels a little bit like Kurt Anolfo in 2017 doesn't it I mean that's not a you can't be you're not an idiot if you try to make that parallel well it, it does it it does in the sense that um I thought with the Kurt Anolfo situation there was some desperation especially when Robbie Rogers was not ready at the beginning of the season and wound up not playing at all there was some panic or desperation moves uh, and I see that a little bit here. Uh, again, Zubik would not be here probably without the injuries. So there is a little bit of that. But it, it it feels similar, but it feels different because it does feel, again, saying that uh, it, it, there was desperation involved, it also does feel like there's a plan to it. Right. Um, it, it feels like there is a blueprint, and, and they may be accelerating that blueprint a little bit. But it does seem like they have a philosophy and a, and a strategy to all this. Yeah, the the team itself feels more solid. I also feel like you, you look you look at Guillermo Verascalotto and he seems willing and, and and more than happy to entertain the thought of younger players playing, but also realizes that you can't rely on them. I think that's sort of his thing. Is like, yeah, listen, we have you know we have a, a Rajo on the bench. Um, you know we have Zubak who who we gave some minutes to. Um, you know we have uh, Efrain Alvarez who's 16 years old and and is now playing. You know has played some considerable minutes over the last two games. Didi Traore is 20. Yeah, Traore exactly. So I mean, we got. 
Arguello, 22, a rookie, you know, he started the first game. And Tuna's only, what, 21? 21, 21, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you can see that he's 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 more than willing to embrace youth. You just can't, and by the way, I don't think Cardinalfo thought this either. You just can't base the team off of this. But if you're going to get injuries, there's not much you can do with some of these. Uh, Zubak had to go on the, on the trip. I mean, it was funny because uh, the LA Galaxy, Kevin, announced the, the signing of Zubak. And, and you sit there and you go, okay, he's coming. Um, guess what? If they signed him, there's a reason they signed him. He's probably going to be on the bench whenever they travel to Dallas. And by the way, he's probably going to get some playing time because if you look at it, they have no other strikers. Um, so it was just a matter of you looked at it, you saw them sign him. By the way, again, a homegrown signing. So all of the benefits and you know procedures that you need to go through for homegrown, all there for the LA Galaxy. So his salary won't count against the cap. Um, you just look at all these different things that have sort of uh, that that they had to waive with Araujo in order to get Araujo on the roster, and you know backing up Ralph Felcher there at right back. Um, so all of these things have sort of come about, and you're like, okay. Um, you know, this this one at least is a homegrown signing, so the Galaxy not necessarily wasting anything on this. And, and at 20 years old, I think it's probably time for, for Zubak to get some first-team minutes. Maybe they didn't want it right now. Maybe they wanted it in the second half of the season. But, you know, regardless of how that goes, they're, they're going to get it right now. And he's probably, at least for the foreseeable future, going to be on that bench as the backup to, to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Well, you know, soccer is a little bit different, and sometimes you have to sort of um, get your mind away from U.S. sports where, uh, you know, a baseball player, a basketball player is young when they're 22 or 23. Uh, NFL player, you know, you don't see anybody under under that age because they go through four years of college. And so you look at, so- at soccer and say, hey, this kid's 16, 17, 18. In the case of Troyori, 20 years old, 21 with Antuna, that is really young. Not really. I mean, you look at Mbappe, he's very young. You look at a lot of uh, European teams use teenagers. It's fairly common. I wouldn't say anyone filled an entire lineup of teenagers, but it's pretty common for, for guys to break into even top teams in Europe as teenagers. So it, it it feels unusual in American sports when you talk about the ages of these players, but it really isn't. And, and again, you address the injury thing. This does feel like two years ago, uh, a little bit like last year, there were injury problems last year. And I know a lot of people are asking, is this because of the rigorous uh, preseason training regimen? And, and I, you know, I thought a little bit about that. And you can see where guys that weren't used to that, thrown into those two-a-days, thrown into some of that physical stuff that they did, you can say, hey, m- maybe they were overworked. Maybe they were, you know, they were ripe for those injuries. But then look at the, the injuries that they've had. Uh, Perry Kitchen certainly wasn't hurt because of the rigorous uh, preseason program. Juninho hurt his knee. I don't think that had anything to do with that. Um, even even uh, Leggett with the uh, with the hamstring isn't necessarily an, uh, a a an overtraining. He's with the U.S. Men's National right. Team. He was only that. he was only in camp with the Galaxy a couple of days, so you can't blame that. So you the, the two that you might be able to look at and make a case for would be Ibrahimovic and, and Roman Alessandrini. But again, they both got hurt playing on a very wet field. And as you talked about, uh, Ibrahimovic changed his spikes twice, yep. ch- changed his cleats twice, uh, and went down. You know, I, I looked at tape of that game. There was a part where he went down and, and, and sort of squatted on the turf and was clearly injured early in the game and, and continued to play and, and wound up with the winning goal. But I, I'm, I'm looking at that maybe as the factor with Alessandrini and, and Zlatan I think the factor was more the wet grass than any kind of preseason training program. Now, maybe did it leave them susceptible to injury? That, that's that's something that you'll probably never be able to prove. Right. But everyone jumping on the on the bandwagon and saying, oh, they worked too hard in the preseason, I, I really don't see the correlation between those two. It's tough because I remember talking to players um, 
you know, at whenever Kurt Alpha came in, and I was told by specific players, it's like, oh, you know, we're working really hard. Um, this is this is going to be, you know, this is going to be the hardest we've ever worked in the preseason, and everybody's going to be ready for it, and it's going to be great. And you know, if we survive, it, it's going to be great. So I remember that happening under Arnolfo. Then I remember the same thing happening under Siggy Schmidt, which is, oh, we're training really hard. This is the hardest we've ever trained. Um, we're going to be in good shape, if nothing else, and blah blah blah. And and then you come in, and again, it's it's happened again this year, and. You know, I don't know how much you can blame it. I'll tell you, I've talked to some players about injuries, and I, a lot of the players say it's personal responsibility almost more than anything, which is you have to take care of your body. Yeah, you can be overtrained. Um, yes, you can be overrun, but the whole idea there was that they did two-a-day trainings there for the first like week, week and a half there, Kevin, and then they sort of tapered those off a little bit. Um, so now they haven't really been in that full on, you know, two a day training for a while and they've been taking time off. I mean, you saw that they played on Saturday, so they were off Sunday, they were off Monday. Um, so then it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they'll play Saturday, they'll be off Sunday, they'll be off Monday. And those training sessions before the Friday before and the Thursday before Thursday before a little more strenuous Friday before basically a walkthrough, um, Saturday. So you're, they're into the season stretch now. So this stuff shouldn't be showing. If it was going to show, it should have showed earlier. Um, not right now. Um, if, if you wanted to find fault, I think maybe you could look at roster management and, and even this is a very difficult case because, um, you know, we can argue about some of the moves, but what would the alternative moves be? And, and by that, I mean, they let Ola Kamara go to China, um, without having a backup at forward, they were basically saying we're going to roll the dice and expect Ibra to play every game and play 90 minutes every game, and that was unrealistic. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to force Ola to stay here and play against his wishes? You kind of have to let the guy go, um, and and they just didn't have a backup. They they bought Geo out. You could say, oh man, you know, if we had Geo still here, at least we'd have a you know he would be probably an improvement over Pontius. At least we'd have a backup if we wanted to put him up top in place of Ibra until Ibra comes back. But again, with Chio, it was the 4DP thing. It wasn't like they let him go when they had an option. They had to get rid of a DP uh, salary, and and so he wound up being the guy that that left. So you can look at roster management and say, you know, they really the criticism would be they really didn't have a backup plan for either one of those guys. And, and certainly in the case of Gio, they knew that that was out there all winter. I don't know when Ola actually told them. Uh, Guillermo said three weeks ago he he might have you know tipped them off even earlier than that, but they keep talking about the players they're going to get. They have a ton of they're sitting on a ton of money now with the transfer fee from from Ola and and the, the buyout with Gio, which made some TAM money available. Um, they keep talking about the players they're going to bring in, and and GBS said last week one maybe two. He's talking about a defender. They clearly need a forward now. It is kind of time to start bringing those players in. If they're going to make any moves, they need to make them pretty soon. Yeah, I think Zlatan came in after the third game, um, or between the third and the fourth, or between the second and the third, however it ended up being. So, I mean, there's still time. May 7th, again, is that cutoff time for the transfer window. Um, I, you know, we've been, I think the rumors sort of keep pointing at a defender that the LA Galaxy may be targeting, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, whether or not they should. But I want to get into this game. A little bit now that we're 20 minutes into the podcast, we should... Uh, nobody we, else does. Nobody else wants to talk about this. It's it's an important... There's things you have to talk about. There's things you have to learn. Um, you know, you go into this, no Roman Alessandrini, which we knew. Uh, Zlatan was sort of a question mark going up until um, the, you know, really Thursday or Friday. Friday, whenever they left for the for the uh, the the game. Uh, you, Mr. Kevin Baxter, LA Times, reporting that Zlatan didn't make the trip. Um, so that wasn't uh, much of a surprise, really, whenever you look at it. Um, so you have no Zlatan, no 
Ramon. Um, you knew that the Galaxy would have to trot out some sort of lineup that included probably Chris Pontius up top. Um, so really, it was as we, we really expected with... Uh, a 4-1-4-1. I mean, quite honestly, that was the formation that, that seemed to sort of live out there. Now, there's a lot of fluidity between those three central positions, and obviously Joe Corona coming in and making his MLS debut in this game, number 14, uh, sort of siding with Jonathan Dos Santos and Sebastian Legette there. There's a triangle that is a constant rotation and can be, I think, something that will eventually work. Um, however, in this particular game, it didn't work. So so you look at that. Um, everything else was pretty much as expected. So Pontius stepped in, Boateng stepped in on the right, Antuna stayed in on the left. There's some question marks about whether or not putting Antuna on the right and Boateng on the left would have solved some problems, but Antuna is probably a stronger left-sided player, and Boateng, how much are you going to lose with him on the right versus him on the left? Um, so those are all question marks you could you could sort of look. But, I mean, ultimately, the Galaxy got outplayed. It, it, was, it was fairly competitive in the first half, um, but even in the first half, whenever you look at the possession and how much possession the uh, that FC Dallas had, over the LA Galaxy, I mean, it's a it's a dramatic number, almost 65% possession for FC Dallas. You know, 34% there, um, 35% for the LA Galaxy. That's that's a huge number, and the number of passes as well is like double. FC Dallas had double the number of passes of the LA Galaxy. They controlled the game from basically beginning to end. Outside of the last probably 10 minutes of the first half, the LA Galaxy were pretty much getting run over for this game. You know, I've seen a lot of stuff online. People are very unhappy with Joe Corona. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I want to cut him a little bit of slack. He, he'd only been in camp a couple of days. He'd only been around the team a couple of days. He was fit. Uh, he's a good player. I, I, he's going to make his mark before uh, the season's over. Um, it, fitness wasn't a problem. It, it's adapting to his teammates and learning the style. And he's in the midfield. It's very important to have some kind of chemistry with your teammates, guys he's, whose names he probably didn't even know when he took the field. So... I, I kind of feel like like uh, maybe give him a little bit of time to get it uh, acclimated. He shouldn't have been out there. If Janina was healthy, you know, if if Alessandrini was healthy, he probably wouldn't have played. So he was he was going to play regardless. I'll tell you that right. You now. think so? Oh yeah, because he's the he's the central midfielder they wanted to bring in. He's going to play. There's no there's no point in no, holding. I know him he's going to play, but I just thought it was a little bit early. I mean, I think he should get to know like like who number seven is and who number six is and and find out their first names before they, they throw him out nah. there. And, you know, he said after training, it, he, he talked about how, um, you know, he was fit and ready to play, but he didn't really understand. He, he needed to sit down with, with uh, Guillermo and talk about the style of play and what they had expected of him. And he, he seemed a little uncertain about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's always that. But I'll tell you right now, it's the same thing with, like, Polenta. And certainly Polenta is the, is the target of uh, much angst from L.A. Galaxy fans. Um, you're, you're not going to solve anything by not playing these guys. You just have well, to play Polenta's them. been here all winter, though. I mean, yeah. he doesn't have the same excuse Corona does. Oh, he absolutely does have the same excuse. He hasn't played for six months before this. So, like, whenever you look at that, Corona's probably in better shape match-wise than Polenta is. And it's just, you've got to play these guys. You can't just training. Yes, training's going to help. And certainly getting Legit, Corona, and Dos Santos together on in on the training pitch, that way they can understand each other, is going to help. But it does it's not going to hurt you. And like you said, there's certainly with the injuries, but it's not going to hurt you to put him in there. He needs to learn it, and he needs to learn it fast. Now's the time. You don't go out and spend, you know, X number of dollars for a TAM guy and not play him. Um, but what, and one interesting thing about the game, too, is it's, so talking about Zalatan not playing, how, how important is Zalatan to uh, the attack? Well, it's, it, you know, you look at the numbers, you can make an argument. But a couple of things, they were shut out um, on Saturday. First time they've been shut out since mid-August of last year in, in Seattle. It was a 5 nothing game. 
Also, the last game that Zlatan missed. So the last two games Zlatan didn't play, the last two times the Galaxy were shut out. And in the 28 games that Zlatan has played, 14 of the goals that he scored have either put the team ahead or tied the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, so erase the deficit or put the Galaxy ahead. 14 of his last 20, uh, 14 times in 28 games. So you can really make you know, and then the game winner in Chicago, you can really make a, a case that when he's not on the field, uh, Bingham's got to pitch a shutout for them to have a chance. Yeah, and, and Bingham wasn't put in the position to do that. I mean, made some saves that, that I thought were pretty good. Um, I, I'm going to shock everybody. I thought the defense played pretty well. Um, they weren't horrible. They had the bad back passes and, and sort of the, the bad passing that led to the second goal, but I'll also point to the fact that Jonathan Dos Santos was uh, apparently sitting and in, in nice and quiet and, and not paying any attention to the late run that came straight down the middle of the field at the top of the box that eventually led to uh, the the second goal going in. I mean, Bingham's not going to stop that. That's a, that's a rocket that was fired there. Uh, the PK, uh, I guess the league average is 17%, by the way. I, I just saw that somebody tweeted this out. Um, 17% for goalkeepers to save penalty kicks. So just remember that anytime you see a penalty kick and come in. Now, you can blame, and there certainly are a lot of people that want to, um, and you should, you can blame Polenta for the penalty kick. I mean, that is just, that's a, that's a horrible thing. It's, it's one of those things that if the referee doesn't call it, Kevin, I'm like, that's fine. You don't need to call a penalty kick there. But once he calls it, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with him calling it as well. And certainly people were like, oh, VAR is going to save you on this one. The VAR ain't going to save nobody whenever you have, you know, Diego Polenta kicking Matt Hedges in his side slash in his arm about halfway up his torso. Um, that's not going to happen. And Hedges didn't, like, you know, immediately hit the ground and rolled around. But you have to imagine that when Diego Polenta kicks you in the side or in the arm, it's going to you're going to you're going to feel it. So, you know, the penalty kick is is bad. And it put the Galaxy. That's the whole thing. I think even Guillermo Barra-Scalotto was sort of talking about it after the game. It's that, you know, they had some chances. They hit the post twice. They hit the crossbar. Felcher had the best shot. Um, hitting the hitting the uh, the the crossbar um, on a great cross from Antuna. Antuna, I think, hit the crossbar on a cross slash shot, or hit the post on a cross slash spot. Um, you had Pontius who missed a wide open header. So I, you know, I think in my recap, I said they didn't create many chances. The truth is, they really didn't. Some of those are half chances. The Felcher one, probably the best one. Uh, Pontius with another one. Um, and it wasn't until the 91st minute of the game that Efrain Alvarez came in and, and finally got a shot on goal for the LA Galaxy. So they didn't create offense. I think Chris Pontius touched the ball twice in the first half, Kevin. So despite the first half being the better half for the LA Galaxy, the forward didn't touch the ball at all. Um, it, it, yeah. You know, on, on that. Uh, Ephraim play he nutmegged a U.S. national team defender that that was pretty impressive but you know uh, the Acosta goal you talked about the second goal the one where, where Jonathan uh, kind of let him have too much space and he if you watch the replay Acosta has a ton of space but the reason he does is there was a great pass from the end line that looked like it was set up to be a, 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 a cross that was going to come right into the box, which is where I think most people, especially with their left foot, would have sent that pass. And there was a, a Dallas player there, and three Galaxy defenders kind of collapsed on him, anticipating that. And the ball came all the way out to the top of the box. Yeah, I thought that was a great pass. Yeah. Now, yeah, someone should have followed him, but you, you, 
you can't forgive it, but you can almost understand why no one thought that the ball was going to come out to the top of the box and they were collapsing on the guy in this, you know, in the middle of the penalty area. Bottom line is that if the Galaxy defense doesn't cough up that ball, you know, to begin with, then there's less of a chance of that happening, obviously. Um, you know, Dallas did a good job of pressuring. I, you know, I thought Jonathan Dos Santos played fine. I'll tell you, I mean, you know, my, my general takeaways are that uh, Joe Corona, Jonathan Dos Santos, and, and Sebastian Legette didn't look comfortable at all. Um, Cor- Corona looked, you know, fine. He was fine in his MLS debut, um, having, as you said, not played with it. I didn't expect there to be a lot of chemistry between those three. I was hoping that maybe they'd stumble into something quickly. Um, but that's that's a that's a wish more than anything else. You could see from the very beginning that it just wasn't there. I think it will be there. I think I like the way that it lines up, especially if you start putting Zlatan back in that number nine spot. Um, you know, you could get Roman Alessandrini on that. All of a sudden, there are some real attacking options and some good things. I, I like freeing Leggett up to get further connected because nobody was connected with Chris Pontius for most of this game, Kevin. Chris Pontius lived on an island of one all by himself with uh, Matt Hedges just sort of, you know, sort of hanging around. And anytime he would get anywhere near the ball, the Dallas would just run him off. I mean, it was a, a well-orchestrated and executed game plan from FC Dallas, but it really... Everything stems from the fact that the LA Galaxy did not have a scoring threat on the field and nobody made anybody, nobody, nobody on the Galaxy made FC Dallas think that they were going to be that scoring threat. You know, Dallas had 302 more passes than the Galaxy. Almost but, two to one. It's almost yeah, two to one. But, but, but you know, when you look at the stats, yes, they had one shot on target. The Galaxy did. It didn't come until stoppage time. But you talk about the, the shots that hit the woodwork. The Galaxy with 36% possession Still got 11 shots to 12 for Dallas. Dallas had the ball two-thirds of the time and got one more shot. Now, shots on target is a different story. But the the Galaxy did have some chances despite being outplayed. Uh, and, and it was the same thing against Chicago. I thought they were outplayed against Chicago. And they made they got some chances, too. They made those ones count. They didn't make them count in, in Dallas. Yeah, and really, I mean, like you said, if, if the Galaxy can put some of those away, Kevin, then all of a sudden, you know, it's a different— they, they didn't, though. And that's sort of, that's sort of the problem. Um you know, I just, I, I think that there were some clear problems. I think you, you knew you were going to have problems. By the way, the Galaxy, I don't think, have beaten Dallas since 2015, August of 2015. It's not surprising um, whenever you look at, at them going to Dallas for them to lose. Um, I think on the Thursday night podcast, I'd pick them to lose 2-1. to one. Uh, Efrain Alvarez almost made me a, 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 a hero there um, to, uh, to get my score completely correct, um, but almost put it in. I mean... The big takeaways that you have to look at this now are, okay, did the Galaxy learn anything on defense? Um, you know, Polenta got sort of uh, crucified again for another back pass. I will go to my grave saying he didn't mean to do it. Um, that wasn't a back pass that he was trying to make. He was just trying to cut the ball out from going back to Barrios after Barrios had put the ball into Baggi and, ba- and Steris cut that pass out. Steris knocked it back towards Barrios. Uh, Barrios, and, and it could have been that uh, if Polenta doesn't stick his foot out, that, that Barrios gets that ball. Now, granted, when you look at it and you slow it down and you put it into frames, he he literally passes the ball directly to Baji, and that should have been a goal for FC Dallas because it was pretty much wide open there. Um, so, you know, that's a thing. Polenta needs time and he needs games, and you keep playing him to see what that is. Now, we I think I made the same argument whenever Michael Ciani was uh, first joining the LA Galaxy as well. So, you know, bottom line is I think everybody gets that chance. What I've seen from Polenta so far, though, Kevin, it really sort of separates me from any sort of comparison to Michael Ciani. Yeah, he's had two mistakes that basically, uh, three mistakes that have cost the LA Galaxy two goals in two games, but he seems like he's too good of a player for that to be happening. I'm not sure I ever felt that way about Michael Ciani. 
No, no, I I think it's a little bit unfair to compare the two. He's just gotten off to a, a rough start, but I thought he looked pretty good during the preseason. Um, I, I mean, he's obviously a talented player. Um, it's an adjustment to come to MLS uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I'm not sure how much of an excuse that is anymore because he has been here two months now and he needs to sort of make that adjustment a little bit quicker. Uh, actually, been here about six weeks. If you remember, he actually got to camp a little bit late. Right. But uh, he, you're right. He does need to make that adjustment. I don't think he's Michael Ciani. I think he's much better. But he needs to start showing that because the Galaxy needs some people to step up right now. Yeah, I mean, I thought Jorgen Shelvick actually had a pretty good game. I think he had a, a save uh, sort of towards the line there. I thought he played well. Um, Rolf Felcher, was, I think, was the highest-ranked right back out of any right back in Major League Soccer this week, which was interesting to see in, in sort of the rating systems and the different websites you look. I thought Felcher had a good game. He should have scored a goal. I mean, a great half volley from that he got from the, the pass from Antuna. So, I mean, you, you looked at it. There were some good things to build off of here. For me, you know, I think Boateng was disappointing. Um, just he has speed and he never he didn't get to really use it in this game at all. So whether it's the Galaxy not implementing him correctly or him not feeling comfortable enough to go forward, I, I don't know. And I don't like Boateng on the right hand side. Um, I don't like him cutting into his left foot. I, I don't like I, Antuna does better on that um, whenever he's on the left side that he can cross with both his left and cut in on the right. So, I mean, for me, I, you might switch that, but I don't think that would have solved anything in this. And then the other thing is that, you know, Efrain Alvarez comes in, gets 31 minutes. Uh, we can talk about that. But the reason he comes in in that 59th minute is because Sebastian Leggett, um got a broken nose. Um, so, yeah. Le- so Leggett comes back from injury, Kevin, and now has a broken nose. I mean, this is, yeah. this is nightmare. I feel sorry again. for this guy. Yeah. I mean, Becky G came on and, and had a big, long Instagram post about how amazing this guy was. And like, he just can't get any breaks. Um, I, I tend to agree in terms of, you know, this guy, <laughs> I said, I, I, I was talking to the galaxy, uh, today cause I wanted to just confirm it was a broken nose. He said it on his Instagram. I assumed it was, but I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't like, Oh, he was just saying it was broken, but it wasn't really broken. Um, and so he, it is broken and I'm like, Hey, you might want to wrap that guy in bubble wrap for, for the next time. Cause it seems like anytime he gets healthy, he gets hurt again. Yeah. He came out of the national team camp. He played really well with the national team. Remember that game in San Jose, he came off the bench and scored the goal. Um, he looked really good. And, and, uh, the, the national team, Greg Berhalter and everyone with the national team, very happy with him. He comes back to the galaxy fit, goes into that game with, uh, Vissel Kobe and gets injured. And now he comes back and plays 59 minutes and breaks his nose. You know, another thing with, trying to get everyone healthy and on the field is you look at uh, Skeletal's game plan and, and correct me if I'm wrong, like I know you're going to, but my impression was that, that he was supposed to come here and bring some of these, this possession oriented, short passing, attacking and wave style, a little bit, maybe not the same, uh, same tactical alignment that we've seen with Bob Bradley at LAFC or uh, Tato Martino last year in, in Atlanta, but a, a much more attractive, much more sort of uh, high tempo, Attacking offense, again, possession-oriented, short passing. The Galaxy have been dominated in possession the first two games. They've been outpassed by now, uh, I think it's something like 500 passes in the first two games. Where is this possession-oriented attacking style? Is it is it that the, the players are not on the field? Is it that he's not teaching it? He's gone to another formation or, or, or strategy? 
what's the deal? Because this is not what I thought we were going to get. Yeah, well, I, I'll say this. I don't, one, I don't think, we we know he says he doesn't have his players that he, he wants. I mean, we, we know this is not the team that he wants. So trying to hold him to anything um, is going to be more difficult to do this season than it will be in any other season whenever he can sort of try to mold this team into what he wants. Now, granted, having said that, he has brought in some players that have affected that. But remember what they were all talking about in preseason, Kevin, which is, hey, we just really started implementing the offense because all we were focused on was the defensive side of things. And I think that's what you're seeing still right now is this is an LA Galaxy team who is very focused on trying to be a defensive first. And I'll tell you, having some possession will certainly help because I think they have been inviting pressure uh, both against Chicago and in, in this Dallas game by not holding onto the ball. They're giving these teams way too much time to attack. Um, and that's just, that's not going to work in the long run. And it's worked over, you know, it worked over uh, 90 minutes against Chicago, but you also had some attacking options in that game that were much better than I think what you had in this that that's sort of the third part of this is look who the players are on the field I mean who was the most dangerous offensive player on the LA Galaxy field here um, I'm trying to think who I would legitimately be worried about scoring goals I mean you could say Sebastian Legette when he started but he's not really a pure goal scorer that's not really his thing um, Joe Corona, I haven't seen enough of him to play to really say whether or not he's a true goal scoring threat. Antuna is speedy, but he's not the goal scorer. He's going to pass off uh, to the goal scorers. So who was the offensive threat on this team? And if you put Zlatan Ibrahimovic at the number nine, that answers a whole bunch more questions than it ever does. Um, I think the Galaxy really need to look at, you know, somebody's going to have to score more goals here, Kevin. Um, I don't know who that is on this lineup right now if it's not Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Well, their leading active scorer is Daniel Steris, the yeah. center back. So there you go. But, you know, you talk about uh, implementing some sort of an offensive style and developing it and, and fine-tuning it and all those things that need to be done eventually. Look at the difference the team has between Zlatan playing and not. I mean, when he's on the field, obviously everything goes through him, and the strategy is pretty simple. Just get the ball to the big guy in front of the net. When he's not there, it's a whole different – ball of wax i mean what do you do who who is the you have to create uh offense and there's just not a lot of creators out there especially if allison drini stays hurt and we don't really expect to see him until if if uh, at all in march but if he does come back in march i think it would be the march 31st game against portland yeah at the end of the month that would probably be the earliest we're going to see him we're probably not going to see kitchen before then if then I would expect Sebastian will probably play this weekend. I mean, that's a broken nose. He might have a little trouble breathing, but and, and especially part, given the midfield, I think we'll see him in that. Yeah, in he, that he might he might have one of those fashionable masks. That's what I don't know. I always don't know. I, I was trying. It's one of the things we'll find out in training is whether or not he'll just come back out, put a mask on and go, or if he has to let it heal a little bit for a week and then be able to put a mask on and go. Um, because that dude, the, the, I, I would think the, uh, the, the, most people would agree that one of the better looking LA galaxy players will be wearing one of those ugly masks for, uh, for, you know, uh, for the foreseeable future, quite yeah, honestly, one of those Phantom of the opera things, but given the way he gets hurt, I don't know, maybe a suit of armor <laughs> might be, might be better. We'll see if pro will allow it, um, how it goes. But anyway, I mean, you know, it's a disappointing game. I don't think it's unexpected for who I thought was going to be available. Um, I don't think that there's anything in this that you sit there and go oh it's stuff we didn't know 
Um, it is stuff we knew. We knew the Galaxy would have trouble creating. They didn't create a whole bunch against Chicago, even though they scored two goals. Um, they weren't scoring a whole bunch of goals in the preseason, so we knew that was sort of a, an issue as well. Um, you go in here with a you know a, a, a ghost crew almost. You you have guys who who maybe shouldn't be starting. Granted, I think that legit Corona Dos Santos midfield is going to be really good. I think the defensive line is actually going to be okay. I've liked Shelvick at left back. I've liked Stairs. I think Stairs has been one of the best players of the year over two over the first two games. Um, you know, Felcher has been good. Polenta has been fine for me. I know he had the two mistakes. I know those are things that he knows, uh, you know, were big issues for him. Talking to Dan Stairs after their first win, he was like, yeah, he knows he made a mistake, but he's not going to let it affect him. He's going to go back. And so, you know, that's all you can do right now. And and people screaming and shouting for, for the LA Galaxy to pull a ripcord on Polenta already. You're, you're out of your, your minds. You're out of well, your minds. Play the guy. Yeah, he's been off out of soccer for six months. Play the guy. Let him get games. That's the only way he's going to get better. Well, you know, they've expanded the playoffs this year. It's going to be seven teams in each conference. Um, so more than half the teams are going to go to the playoffs. Right now, Galaxy below the line in eighth place. I was, was going to say, went, went, for th- went from third to eighth. That's what these early season uh, things certainly uh, do. Early season but, matches. You know what? Look at San Jose. Holy cow. I thought San Jose was going to be good. They're 0-2 at home and have been outscored 5-1. to Yeah. Minnesota took took them to task. Who beat them the first first week? I didn't. I don't remember seeing that one. I, it's, it doesn't matter. You can look it up later. But anyway. I, I think they get to keep the, the wooden spoon. They, they, they're not even allowed to have it. Remember? Didn't I tell you that story? They're not even allowed to have the wooden spoon because supposedly the Independent Supporters Council told me, or at least people who are, who are on the Independent Supporters Council told me that San Jose is not represented on the council, which operates the wooden spoon, because San Jose stole the original supporter shield and they never gave it back, and so they're not allowed on until they give it back. Swear to God, this is all true things. That, this is controversy. It's craziness is what it is. Um, I have some stats. At least we don't run on the pitch out here and punch players from behind. That's Well, we try not to. Um, I don't know. Scott French might jump down from the press box one of these days if you know somebody scores yeah. a late a late minute goal that will change his story. So you never know about that. Uh, here's some stats that I was able to dig up after two games because you know Josh loves his stats. He goes uh, way back. Uh, the Galaxy match the 2016 and 2018 years. Excuse me. The tw- yeah, I, I already yeah it was 2018. We're in 2019, right? Yeah. Okay. 2016 and 2018. Um, that's three out of the last four years they've gotten three points from the first two games. So 2016, 2018, and 2019 they have three points after the first two games. Only four time only four times in team history have they won the first two games okay so only four times have they had six points after two games that was in 96 2000 2002 which was an mls cup year and 2010 uh that's the only been held without points through two games three times in club history so having zero points through two games um was 1997 and 2001 and 2017 but nine other seasons have had four points or more through two games. So basically what I'm trying to say is 15 of the 24 seasons have started with the LA Galaxy earning at least three points from the first two games. That's 62, almost 63% of the time for the LA Galaxy. I thought that was just, that was all I could really glean off of those stats that I was able well, to grab. If you look at the standings, I mean, you talk about parity in, in MLS, only three teams started off the first, the season with two wins, winning their first two games. Um, you know, you would think the, the odds are that it would be better than that. 
but only three teams. Unfortunately for the Galaxy, they're all three in the Western Conference. Yeah, I was going to say the Seattle, Eastern. Seattle, Los Angeles, and Minnesota United yeah. um, have all started unbeaten. I was going to say if you, you go over to the Eastern Conference and it's more it's more uh, more spread out there. There's there's nobody has won uh, both games. So uh, right. interesting. It, it's really interesting to sort of see how these stats start from the very beginning. Obviously, it's a it's a new year and you look at this and everything happens. Like you know, you go from uh, third in the Western Conference as the LA Galaxy were now down to eighth uh, after one game. So it's always fun to sort of see him jump around and move around and do that type of thing. All right. Anything else from the game that you really want to touch on or, or should we move on? I guess we could move on. Okay. Rumors. Uh, we don't have any specific rumors. Uh, certainly the the rumor of the uh, the one defender who was a left back, I think, is now going to Vancouver. And we told you that was a BS rumor for the LA Galaxy anyway. So um, that one gets thrown out. Uh, the Galaxy still are likely to be chasing a defender, Kevin. You and I both sort of feel that way. And, and we, we, we've been leaning in that direction. But uh, that could change. I mean, it depends on how serious uh, Ibrahimovic is hurt. And and Achilles is, you know, let's just, he's 37. Let's just say that. And he's coming off that that uh, reconstructive knee surgery. So I don't know how that affects the Achilles, but it just d- does give you the sense that maybe he is um, a little bit more brittle than than another player might be. But these Achilles, Achilles and hamstrings are two things, especially for someone who has to run. Uh, these things can linger. He can feel better. He can feel good enough to play, but he may never have that explosive speed that he really needs. Uh, this could be something that bothers him all season because, it, you know, you have to go out there every week. It's not like you can take two or three weeks off. He has to go out there every week, and every time he pushes it, it gets a little bit worse. Well, I mean, here's my big question, though. Okay, so let's say that you're the LA Galaxy, and let's say Zlatan is a question mark, all right? You don't know how serious it is. You don't know, but you want to get somebody to back him up. Who are you going to get that you want to spend a bunch of money on, but who you're telling is not a starter? Ola Kamara. Ola, no, I think he's busy. He's busy doing okay. other stuff. But, I mean, you know, you, you look at the LA Galaxy, and we all agree now that it seems that, you know, uh, Guillermo Barrasclota set this up in, you know, a 4-1, 4-1, however you want to see it. But it's a lone striker position up there. So who are you going to get to sit on the bench and... A, uh, everybody wants a really good striker. I mean, it all depends on how much you think you're going to be able to depend on Zlatan Ibrahimovic because you can, you have to go tell a story to whoever to whoever yeah. you're bringing in. Hey, you're and, not and starting. That's what you tell him. You tell him, look, we got a 37 year old guy who's really good, but he's 37 and he's got leg problems. Do you want to come in? You know, it's MLS. Uh, it's it's the Galaxy. They do have some money they can they can pay. I mean, I think coming and playing in LA is still. The biggest, uh, you know, the the biggest selling point the Galaxy has. That's how they got Ashley Cole and Nigel Young, and partly how they got Zlatan. Zlatan was not going to go to Kansas City or Real Salt Lake. He was coming to L.A. So, th- you know, there are some things that you can sell in addition to the money, uh, and you know, it is a, a, a setup where you probably are going to get some playing time given the way the season has started. And yes, I know they've been talking about defenders. And in fact, when uh, GBS talked about it earlier, he said, we, we want to go out and get a defender and maybe a midfielder and a forward. forward and it's yeah. just like, basically you want to get a, somebody for every position. But if you look at the roster right now, and I don't know that the, the we do know that they were totally uh, aiming for a defender. I don't know that their philosophy has changed, but when you look at the roster right now, let's just say you had a problem in the back line. You still have Romney on the bench. You have Hilliard Arce. There are some options that you have there. I don't see any options up front, and that's where I'm thinking they might want to start concentrating on a, on a forward just a little bit more because you do have some options in the back. They may not be great options, but there are options in the back line. You got nothing up front right now. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, if you're looking for Josh's designation of players, 
as he goes through the entire list. The only people who I have listed as a forward are, are Zlatan Ibrahimovic and, and Zubak. That's it. Um, Bradford Jameson well, is a, Pontius. Yeah, but Pontius is not. He's more of a midfielder and a winger than he is a a striker. He can play there, right. but that's not. I I think you have to look at Dallas and say that's not his position. That's not where it was. Now you can say again that the midfield wasn't connected to him, and that's why it didn't work. And that's a that's a valid argument. In fact, that's what I see ha- happened again. Giant holes in the defense came from midfield that wasn't connected. Um, so you look at, at, what, at what that is. Yeah, you can play Pontius there. You can play Boateng there. Um, but these are not guys who you sit there and go, you know, you can even go and get, you know, Bradford Jameson back from loan and say that he's a striker as well. You can do all those things, but that doesn't make them strikers. And for me, it, it's Zubak and Ibrahimovic are the only true strikers that I even see on this team. So you, you, you're you right. Play a 4-6. You can play a 4-6 formation you could and I'm sure that somebody could make that work again you're just you're just trying to fit somebody into that spot but you this this team has been set up now for a single striker um so you go okay that makes some sense now what are you going to do with that single striker whenever it's Zlatan Ibrahimovic and maybe you can't count on him again trying to sort of predict what his health is going to be like down the road is is a little bit like looking into the crystal ball um, there's, there's no clear answers. Uh, you know, try again later. Um, the magic eight ball says, uh, you know, outlook, not so good. I don't know what it says, but you have to start planning for this. And if you're the LA galaxy, you're going to need to spend big money on a player who might not be a regular starter who will get some minutes towards the end of games. Uh, certainly whenever the galaxy maybe are losing and they can bring in two strikers or whenever they're winning and they can bring Zlatan off to give him a rest. That's something you can do. Or you can say, Oh, when we play on uh, uh, when, Hey, whenever we play on turf, you can, you can be our striker as well because Zlatan doesn't play on turf right now. The galaxy don't have an answer to that question. And in my mind, depending on Ibrahimovic's health, Kevin is how urgent you figure out whether or not you need a defender or a striker, and whether or not you can wait for one of those for the summertime when there possibly are a lot more players that will be available, um, you know, or whether or not you have to do it now. For me, I would think that maybe a striker is more pressing need and that the defender is somebody who you might be able to wait for, um, for you know, the summertime because there's a bunch of defenders on this roster, as you pointed out. Well, who was, who was the leading scorer in the preseason? Do you remember? Leading scorer in the preseason was um, I have no idea. Ola Kamara. Ola Kamara. He's not. I don't think he's with the team anymore. No, that's what I heard. I think I he was going to go to Sporting Kansas City, but you know that didn't happen. No, he's with the Pandas now. Oh, Lucky that, him. That's right. That's exactly right. When, when did China? That's why he went. I understand. That is that. Is, I'm sure. He said, "Where do they have pandas?" And he and then they said China, and he was off. He was off. That makes some sense. All right. Uh, no, I mean it, this is this is that interesting thing, Kevin. You got to try to figure it out. I mean, these are the priorities that the LA Galaxy have right now. What are they going to do with those priorities, and and how do they go forward? And with that money, they have to spend it wisely. And and how do they do that? All right. Um, two alumni news. Uh, Jermaine, oh, alumni news. Yeah, we yeah. talked about this earlier. Yeah, Jermaine Jones back into soccer? Could he be coming back to the LA Galaxy? No, he's not coming back to the LA Galaxy. But Jermaine Jones is joining the Ontario Fury of the, what, Major Indoor Soccer League? I, I always forget the... Arena acting, Soccer the League. Major, massive, uh, the Major Arena Soccer League. That, that's kind of what we 
what we uh, hinted at earlier, he is going to be playing against Landon Donovan. That's right. That's any, right. Any time now. Yeah. So, uh, so you have Jermaine Jones who will, will join Ontario. Landon Donovan down with the San Diego Soccers. Um, they will actually be playing against each other. You might want to get your tickets now. Um, I don't know how quickly Jermaine is getting everything into gear and, and working, but I would have to imagine he's going. Uh, Thursday, April fourth, the Ontario Fury host the Soccers in the Inland Empire. So you're going to want to uh, check that out in Ontario. Um, so again, Thursday, April fourth, Landon Donovan, Jermaine. Jones, uh, the grudge match continues, I guess. Uh, how, you were telling me that Landon's actually been playing pretty well, as I would imagine yes, he would be. Yes, he's played three games for the Soccers, and he has three goals and six assists. Nine points in three games in the Major Arena Soccer League. Always uh, always fun on the alumni news there. Uh, Giassi's artist got two goals over the weekend, if we're also doing some alumni news. Uh, Kevin, you had him as your number one uh, MLS player of the week. Um, and you had uh, Carlos Vela as number two, and I had Carlos Vela as number one, and Giassi Zardes as number two, and I was right. So, you were right. You know, I always feel sheepish voting for the hometown guy because I just feel like when I turn that ballot in, everyone thinks I'm just honking the hometown guys. And so maybe that hurt Carlos Vela in I, the voting a little bit. I always have a problem of the game I watch in person. Like if I'm at a game in person, I'm like, oh, there's no way there could have been a player of the week from this one. You know, outside of Zlatan going off for two goals in his MLS debut, I'm like, oh, that one's easy. I know, I know who the winner is. We don't even have to put a two. Um, in that one, but you know, it, it is weird. There's some sort of bias of actually watching the game in person where I sit there and go, there, there can't possibly be a player of the week here. Um, it's, it's impossible. Um, so yeah, it was, it was interesting. And it's, uh, the, the North American soccer reporters along with the fan vote this time. So, uh, 75% media, 25% fan vote vote for the MLS player of the week. Uh, <clears throat> I think we'll continue to try to tell you who we vote for if we remember to actually do it. So we try to do it. Yeah, I know this is not a receptive audience, but uh, for LAFC stuff, but Villa really did have a good game. And, and that the goal he set up right before halftime, which he did not get an assist on, um, they ruled that Jordan Harvey's pass to Christian Ramirez in the box actually deflected off a defender, which it did barely. I think it hit one of the hairs on his leg and deflected the Ramirez, but they they took an assist away from Vela. Otherwise, he would have had three assists and a goal. But just the way he took that long pass over the top, dribbled across the top of the box, and and pushed it off to the left wing, it, it was really exquisite. It, just a great a great goal, a great sequence, ball handling. That and 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 going back to the uh, the point that we talked about earlier with with GBS trying to set up the offense, that was the kind of play I was hoping to see from the Galaxy this year, and, and still may see once he gets his lineup on the field, but. I certainly think the Galaxy have some players that can do that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I think that you you look at right now in terms of like the after two games, the MVP vote of going uh, Carlos Velo is there, Darwin Quintero is there um, from Minnesota. Um, I think everybody else is probably a distant second in my mind uh, from that. But, uh, you know, maybe CJ Sapong has two goals um, in two games. Uh, maybe he's up there as well uh, for the Chicago uh, for the Chicago Fire. So I don't know. It's just interesting to watch and sort of see how that goes. I think if Zlatan uh, can start playing that he'll be in that quest this year as well but obviously need to get him back and uh on the field that'll be an important Jordan part. Morris too Jordan, Jordan Morris Jordan Morris of, 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 for Seattle as well um I, and by the way the big surprise over the weekend uh FC Cincinnati getting a point at Atlanta United uh the defending champs against the guys who got blown out in the first week by Seattle a 4-1 win for Seattle over FC Cincinnati um and you had Atlanta and FC Cincinnati face off in Atlanta. Atlanta scores, I think, in the first six or seven minutes there, Kevin. FC Cincinnati scores in like the 86th minute or something like that to make it a 1 1. And Atlanta fans generally losing their minds 
Um, you know, with, yeah, now, with, now were they booing because I've heard that they were booing their their team, and then I've also heard they were booing the the Cincinnati goalkeeper for time wasting. I, you know what the uh, they were they were the whistle blew, people started walking off, and at least on the telecast that when I was watching, there were some boos coming out. So I don't know who they were booing, but it certainly sounded like they were booing their team after a loss, or maybe they were booing the coach. Um, you know, all of these things could possibly, but there was booing going on in Atlanta. And quite honestly, I was, I was rooting for the story of Atlanta doesn't get the full points against FC Cincinnati and watch the meltdown ensue. And so there was some of that online meltdown. It was, it was enjoyable. You know, when it's one thing when there's 22,000 fans at Bank of California or 25,000 fans at Stubba, but when there's 70,000 fans in an indoor stadium booing, it's, pretty loud yeah it's pretty noticeable it is it can be uh the la galaxy training schedule for this week uh they were off on monday as we recorded uh today uh they will train on tuesday wednesday thursday friday and then the match at 7 30 p.m again la galaxy versus minnesota united uh this game 7 30 p.m kickoff time on saturday march 16th my mom's birthday happy birthday mom uh dignity health sports park spectrum sports net um, and I believe Spectrum Deportes on the television. Did your mom come into the game for her birthday? No, she would. We could she, sing Happy Birthday, and she'd get she, like a sombrero on her hat. She, she's coming back from free sp- dessert. She's coming back from spring training that day. She is out uh, watching the Angels play in uh, in in Tempe and and all around Arizona. That is her. That's what she likes to do for her birthday almost every year. Go to spring training in Arizona. And I, I used to do that. Same. I used to go to spring training. People pay, paid you for that. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, all right, let's get to some questions before we go. Um, Carlux asks, uh, do we have a Siani 2.0 with Polenta? Two mistakes, two goals. What do you think? Actually, I think it was three mistakes, two goals. But um, who am I to judge? I think we've already sort of touched on this one, Kevin. For me, I do not feel like they're even in the same ballpark. Uh, maybe results-wise, you can make that argument. I'm just not in the panic mood uh, or panic mode at all with the LA Galaxy, the defense, or with Polenta in general. No, and I think we talked about this before when I had a chance to meet with um, uh, Roman's agent in Marseille on my recent trip to France. One of the things he told me is he was very adamant with the Galaxy, saying, do not sign Michael Ciani. Please do not sign him. And if you do, don't sign him for more than a couple months. And the Galaxy signed him for a year and a half, and we know it. So it, it, it wasn't a surprise to anyone that knew him. I think Polenta needs a little bit more time to prove or unprove himself, as the case may be. All right, let's go to uh, to Darius now. Darius writes and he says, is it likely the Galaxy recall uh, Bradford Jameson to fix our striker problem? Here's, here's my response, and I will try to be as respectful as I can with the response. Uh, Kevin, in my mind, Bradford Jameson does not solve any striker problem the LA Galaxy have other than he's a body to put in there. Uh, Zubak, in my opinion, is probably just as well-suited, maybe more well-suited, because he actually plays the position, than Bradford Jamison does. And in this particular case, I really feel like the LA Galaxy want to give Bradford Jamison the ability to go to San Antonio FC in the USL to play, to fight for a spot, and make that his team this year. They're not doing it just to be able to recall him anytime they want. They want him to have that experience down there. Well, you know, Robbie Keane was around last week. We could have got him in uniform. Robbie Keane or Edson Buttle isn't doing anything right now. There's lots of, there's lots of guys who aren't doing anything. I mean, you know, I'm not doing anything. They could call me in, too. I just I don't think it's very likely that they go out and try to recall Bradford Jamison. I think that would no, he, be— Because he doesn't fit the— I mean, he doesn't fit what they're looking— If he fit what they were looking for, yeah, then I think it's a whole different thing. But, you know, what? that's kind of why I wish that there were more trades in MLS because you're looking at a situation now where it's clear what the Galaxy need— there are teams that have uh, guys on the bench that could fill that need. 
it would be great to, you know, I, I suppose the mechanism is there, but you just never see these kind of trades That's, like you do in other sports. You, you know what? You talk about it, and one of the reasons that it doesn't happen very often is, is you touched on it, is that there are guys, listen, in Major League Soccer, the guys on the bench aren't necessarily... Like, it's not like baseball, where a guy on the bench really could be starting for another team. In Major League Soccer, usually the guys on the bench aren't really starters um, on anybody else's team. They're also bench players. So you could trade a bench player for a bench player, but very rarely is there someone somewhere in Major League Soccer who's sitting on the bench that could definitely be a starter in Major League Soccer. I really feel like that might be one of the reasons you don't see those trades very often. Yeah, but I mean, just for the sake of argument, and I haven't looked up the stats. I don't know what's going on at San Jose other than they they really suck. So I'm I'm assuming at some point they're going to start thinking about the future. What if you were to bring Wondolowski in and just say San Jose is moving on? We're we've got a youth movement and the Galaxy need him. Or or um, um, what happened to uh, Urania, who was with LAFC? I know I think he went to Cincinnati. Marco Urania would be another guy who could be a lone striker for a pinch. He's not the answer to the Galaxy. I know that. You know, Ibra is the answer, but a guy that could play that position probably, uh, you know, uh, fill what the Galaxy needs better than Pontius could or even Zubek, who's a young kid. You know, it, it, I just wish we I just wish we could do that. I know we can't and I know it doesn't happen in MLS. And, and you just said the reasons why. But it would sure, certainly make the, the league more fun if, if we could, you know, if there was a hot stove league where we could debate these kind of possible trades. It, it does make it more fun, like whenever you get to, into those trade things and the and the trade trackers and all that fun stuff. Uh, Juan, uh, Juan writes in and says, why not play Corona ahead of Sebastian Legette in the formation? I think he has better vision than Sebastian. Uh, sure. I, I'm, I'm not going to argue. I don't really know yet. I, it, it doesn't, I think that there is enough switching in there that it doesn't really matter that everybody's going to get. Jonathan will play up in front of Legette and Corona at some point. Um, Corona's going to play up in front of Legette um, whenever he's invited forward. I think that you're looking at two box-to-box midfielders with Joe Corona and Jonathan Dos Santos. And so if you can free Sebastian Legette up to be that, you know, the false nine or the underneath the Zlatan, uh, be able to run off, I think that, that might be your better option. To me, Legette feels more offensive. Um, then he is a defensive player, although I think he can play box to box. Any any particular feelings on that, Mr. Baxter? Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think we've seen him with the national team. He, if he moves outside and plays a little bit more of a wing, and I'm not saying he's a winger, I'm just saying he, he doesn't stay in the middle, uh, he can be dangerous as an attacker. Uh, but but you say playing him under, under Zlatan would be good too because, again, that what's missing is the link and, and – uh, you know, Sebastian could definitely be that linking midfielder, the guy that takes the passes from the middle and sends them up front. He could definitely fill that role probably better. Corona could do that too, but certainly probably better than Jonathan. All right, uh, let's go to Joy. Uh, Joey says, uh, you know, one, he has two questions. One, does the club have any strikers they're looking at? Let's let's answer that one first, because to my knowledge, I know of no names that currently fit the quote-unquote striker mold that perhaps the LA Galaxy might be looking at. Uh, do you do you know of any? No, I, I have no names, but I know they're, they've got to be shaking trees. I mean, I, I have a lot of, con- I, I haven't lost my confidence in the front office yet, and Dennis and, and Guillermo to solve these problems. And if you and I are sitting here saying they have a problem, they knew that long before we did. They've been out there shaking trees. They bragged about their contacts when they came in, uh, the deep reservoir of, of, of contacts throughout Latin America, especially. So it, they know they have a problem. They are out there talking to people. Any names? No. But okay. they definitely, you know, they have the profile. Uh, they have a budget. 
they're out there looking for somebody. We just don't know who yet. All right. And then uh, Joey asks his second question. Um, and he says, uh, I really hope uh, Kevin was joking when he said that if a player isn't Latin American, then Guillermo Barrascoloto and Dennis DeClosa would not be looking at him. A bit too, and this is a good pun, Colosa-minded. Haha. <laughs> Certainly we should be bigger than that, right? Thanks. Um, all right, Kevin, you said... Who is that, Joey? Yeah, this is... Yeah, Joey. Jo J-O-I-E. Okay, well, I will do the, the goofy puns from now on. Yes. Just, let's make sure that that's completely understood. <laughs> right. It's kind of crowding me out of my turf. What I meant by that, and I think it's been largely misinterpreted, or perhaps I didn't say it correctly, what I mean by that is when GBS and when especially DeClosa came in, they talked about all of the context they had through Latin America. And that's where the league is going. There are more players from Latin America now than from Europe and Africa combined um, in, in MLS. That's where it's, you know, we're going there with Ladero, with Diego Rossi, we're, you know, Al Almiron before them, Joseph Martinez. Um, that's where the best players in the league are coming from Latin America. And so when DeClosa and, and GBS came in, everyone in Galaxy land was very ecstatic that finally that the Galaxy were going to start mining some of these young Latin American players. They did not have a Latin American player on the team last year. Um, so it, what I meant by that is is that's where their their contacts are. Remember right now, without uh, Kurt Schmidt, the Galaxy do not, unless they've hired somebody and haven't told us, the Galaxy do not have a scouting department. There's no one there scouting. So when you see rumors about, oh, they're, they're linked to uh, an Iranian outside back or they're talking to a Scandinavian midfielder, uh, they're probably not. When you get all these rumors and the galaxy are involved in every rumor because they're the galaxy. So when the when the rumors come up and and some player is coming, I think you need to step back and say, does this make sense? And that was what my point is. It doesn't make sense for them to go to uh, out and sign a relatively unknown left back from Iran or Iraq or wherever, the Middle East. They're scouting Latin America. That's where their contacts are. Until they have a full-fledged scouting department that can fly all over the world and look at these guys, um, I, I think – uh, DeClosa and GBS, they're going to trust the people they know, and the people they know are in Latin America. So when you're trying to look at these rumors and, and put together whether they sound true or not, use that as your filter. Um, that's probably where these guys are looking right now. Now, that's going to change when they get a scouting department uh, and, and we see what the scouting department is interested in doing. But I think for right now, these guys kind of flying a little bit by the seat of their pants without having their front office filled out chances are if they sign a player as we've seen already i mean look at the guys they brought in atuna yes he came from manchester city but dennis knew him from mexico polenta that was somebody that was on gbs's radar when he was down with boca juniors the players that you know joe corona was a guy that again dennis knew from his time in mexico those are the guys that they're bringing in so that's where i think if you're trying to figure out where the galaxy are going and what rumors to listen to i think that's got to be your filter yeah and and that was <laughs> you had an angry sort of tweet there too or at least a frustrated one it was because we were having to deal with uh fake reporters and fake rumors at the time and so you and i were talking and we were like you and i had talked about this beforehand we said okay whenever it comes to rumors run it through that filter which is does this make sense Do, you know are they going to go out and get somebody just like you said where are they going to get them from latin america which by the way is where I, I think galaxy fans and a lot of people have been saying that the galaxy need to mine you need to go down to the americas to mine the talent that is there um and bring them up so i mean it makes a ton of sense i knew what you're trying to say i think it maybe just came off 
um, like like it was the only place. Like they were they were almost being uh, racially selective with that, and that's not the case. It's just that that's where their contacts are, and that's where you want to see them um, sort of you know find the talent and bring people in as people they know, um, finding value and and bringing people in. I think they've done a great job of doing that so far. I like Polenta. I like Joe Corona. I like Antuna. Um, I like all these picks so far. And so you, you can't knock sort of the way that they're going about it. And I think that that's really what we're trying to say here is that when we're trying to determine whether any of this makes sense, granted, it's the LA Galaxy, Kevin. It's like you said, they're going to be linked to anybody. So, you know, um, if Wesley Snyder is suddenly linked to the LA Galaxy, it's something that we're at least going to pay attention to for a oh little bit. Oh, my God. Don't start Wesley <laughs> Snyder. We've been down that road before. Pato? And, and, and by the way, when you're talking about nationality, I'm talking about where the player, uh, where the connections are. So you have someone like a Ralph Felcher, who I do not consider to be Latin American. I know he plays for the Venezuelan national team, and he has Venezuelan nationality, but he's Scandinavian, in my mind at least. But that would be a guy who... If he wasn't already with the galaxy, you, you know, you could say, oh, here's a guy, uh, you know, a, 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 an outside back from Scandinavia, but he plays for Venezuela. He could very well be on the radar of someone like Dennis DeClosa or, or GBS because he is Latin American. So you could have a Korean player that's at Club America and has been there for a couple of years. Or you could have, uh, you know, an Egyptian player who's playing in Costa Rica. Those would definitely be guys that would show up on their radar because of, of their contacts. They're contacting their people in Costa Rica and they're saying, hey, there's this guy that's playing for in San Jose and you should go check him out. It turns out he's Korean. Uh, and so when I say coming from Latin America, I'm not saying that the nationality has to be Latin American. I'm just saying they need to have some connection to the game in Latin America, I think, at this point, to get on the radar of the galaxy. Yeah, it makes some sense for me. All right, uh, last sort of uh, question here uh, is from Henry. Uh, Henry Henry says, two weeks in and I'm seeing people hit the panic button. He says, I'm not one of them. Uh, should we be worried about the team's form, the injury list, or the rust that some of our players are carrying? Would a loss at home to the Loons mean hitting the panic button? Let me get the last one first. We already told you Minnesota coming in on a two-game winning streak. Um, they're, they're a better team this year. They should be a better team. Uh, Darwin Quintero is going to be, a, I, I imagine, a factor for MVP this year. Um, so losing to them would not be the end of the world. I'm not expecting it, but at the same time, Minnesota is, uh, is, very, is doing a very good job on the road so far and has won their first two games. Uh, that's going to do well for them coming down. Now, to answer all the other questions, Kevin, should, should, uh, should Henry or, or the LA Galaxy fans be worried about the team's form, the injury list, or the rust that some of the players are carrying? No, I, I don't think so, but they should be concerned. I don't think they should press the panic button. It, it depends on how the front office adjusts to this and, and how uh, long-term some of these injuries are. If Ramon's going to miss another month, which I don't think he will, or if, if Salatan really is, uh, if, if this Achilles thing really is bad, how does the front office adjust to it? If they don't do anything, which has kind of been the answer in the last couple of years, if they don't do anything, then yeah, I think you should worry a little bit. But uh, remember, seven teams make the playoffs this, this year. It's a little bit more forgiving. Um, if they were to get into the playoffs as a sixth or seventh place team and had a healthy Zlatan, I think they could make a long run. You can never discount them. However, the, the, the question also asked about Minnesota, should they worry about Minnesota? Um, Minnesota's a pretty good team this year, but you know, after Minnesota, then they play Portland, who would, you know, made the MLS Cup final last year. They have Vancouver, then they have a very weak Philadelphia team. Houston, Minnesota again, Real Salt Lake, a playoff team. The Red Bulls, who won uh, the Supporter Shield, it, it's a tough schedule. Um, you, know, you, know, if you know what they, it means? They don't want to start that slide now. You, you know what it means to me whenever you go and you start listing off names like that, and I start to, you know, in my mind, anytime you say a name, I'm going to be like, can the Galaxy beat this team? And I start going there. 
the Galaxy, again, are not a very strong team right now. So you name any team, and I'm sort of like, well, you know, Houston's pretty good right now. Houston's been playing okay. Uh, Minotas has been really good for them, so you, you look at that. Um, you know, New York should be, the, the Red Bulls should be a good a good team. Uh, Vancouver is a, is a, a bit of a, a an issue this year, and they could be really bad this year, so maybe that's one. Portland is a good team. Um, granted, they, they collapsed against LAFC. They gave up over seven the goals in their first two games, including yeah. three in the snow. I well, the three in the snow you have to throw out, right? You have to be like, okay, those don't count because Colorado scored three goals. Colorado gave up three goals. It was like, okay, whatever, that's a 3-3 draw, you sort of throw it out because of the conditions, but you go and watch them, you know, collapse in the second half against LAFC, um, I thought they played well for a lot of that, um, a lot of that time Portland did, and then, you know, get get nothing out of it at all, um, get a flick to the ear, that's for sure, but other than that, uh, that's, that's about all that you, you could see, so I think Portland is going to be a good team, I just don't know how good they're going to be starting the season, remember, they were slow starters last year, Galaxy beat them on opening day last year, 2-1, to one. Um, they ended up being a, a pretty good team, and actually, I thought the Galaxy were, were fairly even with them or at least matched up well with them um last year i think they're a physical team i think the galaxy are a physical team but yeah i mean you know it's it's early in, days in the, in the next 12 games in the next 12 games i look at the schedule here on, on the wall and portland is looks like it's going to be a quality team but they're really having a rough patch right now i think vancouver's bad and philadelphia's bad i see vancouver and philadelphia as games that the, uh, the galaxy should definitely win but those are the only two of the next 12 that i look at and say yeah that that would be a horrible upset if they lost that game so, you know, if if you want to believe that, they could very well perhaps be three and ten when they get to the fourteenth week of the season and play Orlando City. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying once these slides start, if the injuries start to pile up, um, I'm not saying push the panic button now. I'm just saying you 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 have to be aware that things could get worse before they get better and and how the front office reacts to that to me that's what i'm going to be watching yeah it's going to be uh going to be an interesting time uh i think the la galaxy have a lot of growing there's room to improve i guess that's the uh the the silver lining side of things they have some things to work on i think they have a talented team um i think they could do things but the injuries are going to kill them if you don't get allison drini and, and ibrahimovic back on the field here in the next couple of weeks you're gonna have problems but you know on the other hand you look at this if you want to look at the other way, I mean, I just took definitely the very negative glasses half empty scenario, but they have Minnesota and Portland. It looks like a bad team right now. They have those two guys at home. If they win those two games and they have Vancouver in Vancouver, that's a game that they could very definitely win Philadelphia at home. They should win that one. So if you look at it that way, all of a sudden the galaxy are on a winning streak. I, I again, it's, it's hard to tell. But uh, what I'm looking for isn't so much how the team plays, is how the is, is what happens with these injuries and how the front office reacts to it. I was going to say early season prediction predictions sure to be wrong, Kevin. Absolutely, positively will not be correct. But we can certainly pretend uh, that we can see something into the future and see how you know how it is. You go from week to week. One team, one MLS team is hot, and you're like, oh my god, they're never going to lose another game. And then you know, three weeks later, wow, they're horrible. They're never going to win another game. Um, so it all sort of evens itself out. And well, especially- yeah, the team I really thought was going to be good all of a sudden uh, they're winless and and they have a minus two goal differential which is colorado i just really thought colorado was going to be good and it's two games maybe it's they two, will be it's two i was going to say give them give them a chance i still think that team is going to be pretty good so um they have some they have some good pieces there all right uh anything else you good no everybody order your panda t-shirts panda and pato in the morning 
there you go. That's for that's for I think Peter who ordered the one shirt and said that he loved hearing that drop. So there you go, Peter. You're welcome. Is uh, he the guy that put it on his ringtone? I uh I don't remember. I don't remember who it was that put it on the ring, but somebody definitely has it as their ringtone, which is that's genius. Which or or something else. I'm not sure what it is. It is Wouldn't what it is. Wouldn't it be cool if we were like somewhere together, like at a bar or somewhere at a game, and then we heard that ringtone? That'd be awesome. I would, I, yeah, I don't think there would be any reason for me to continue on with podcasting if that happened. I think that's just sort of it. That, that would be the highlight of my, uh, of my podcasting career. It would be over. So hopefully it never happens. I yeah. Don't know. That might be that it. That would be cool. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you can find him at kbaxter11. Uh, head on over to uh, latimes.com for all the soccer coverage covering the sport in Southern California and around the nation. Uh, Women's World Cup upcoming, uh, U.S. Men's National Team, certainly LAFC, LA Galaxy right there. Kevin does a great job, latimes.com. Support him so that way they'll keep paying him and then he can afford to keep coming on this show for absolutely nothing. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Cornerofthegalaxy.com. Click on the shop button. You can get our scarves, you can get our t-shirts, including the Panda and Pato t-shirt, and our brand new 2019 logo shirt as well, which looks really sharp. I think you're going to like it, so uh, go on and get that one as well. All those shirts, though, all of them, always available now. Just go click on the one you want, order it, and uh, it'll ship whenever the uh, appropriate amount of orders have been collected. All right, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, the Panda himself, I'm Josh Gaspin Pato, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>